The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corliss, and you are listening to Pod to Chat, talking dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sip back and let's talk dance ba, 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 ba. <laughs> welcome 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 today i am broadcasting to you from rio de janeiro brazil as i prepare to watch the u.s olympic team compete for the gold just kidding <laughs> i'm really just kidding i'm actually just broadcasting to you to you today from uh, good old philadelphia I wish that I was in Rio for the Olympics, but I won't be too far off from there next month when I head to South America with my husband to celebrate our honeymoon. We'll we'll be heading down to uh, Peru, Chile, Uruguay, and Argentina for about three weeks, and I will be taking a huge three-week break from all my social media, which will be the first time I've really taken any break in the last four years. But have no fear, I'll still be putting out weekly podcasts while I'm gone. In fact, I tested out a new podcasting concept last week, the Flashcast, where I provide a quick-fire, less-than-10-minute soundbite of valuable information. I hope you enjoyed that style of episode, whether you're a listener that enjoys meaty conversations or one who's a bit more ADHD with their information intake like me. I'm thinking the best way to enjoy my honeymoon and keep content coming to you is to create a few flashcasts to put out for the weeks that I'm gone. So I'd like to ask you, my listeners, to shoot me a message with any questions about dance, dance education, or even any personal questions that you have for me to throw together one of those flashcasts as a Q&A. You can send me questions via my contact page on my website at www.barrycorollis.com, which is www.barrycorollis.com. You can also send me a private message on Facebook, or you can use the hashtag TalkingDance on Twitter. I will collect a handful of questions through all those channels for one one of the flashcasts during my three weeks down South America, and I'll answer listeners for uh, one of those episodes. Fun. I can't wait to interact with you guys a bit more, and also in a different format. Alrighty, so I started off today's episode with a little bit of a joke, but my intention wasn't to lie to you to tease you about my upcoming trip to South America. Uh, I mentioned the Olympics because, first off, they're happening now, uh, so that's pretty relevant. But also because one of my good friends and most avid listeners, we'll just call her J-Ro from Philly, uh, she asked me uh, to talk about a pretty good topic. So right before I stepped into the studios to teach at Broadway Dance Center this past Sunday, she asked why ballet wasn't in the Olympics, and if I thought it should be in the Olympics. And I thought that that was just too good of a topic not to talk about, especially considering that that's what we're going through right now. So let's chat about it. 
This isn't the first time I've heard this question, actually. I've actually been hearing this question for every four years, for at least the last 12 to 16 years. Uh, There are a handful of athletic arts in the Olympics, both in the Summer and Winter Olympics. Uh, A few off the top of my head, um, you have rhythmic gymnastics, which is, I think, kind of funny because uh, artistic gymnastics is more uh, athletic than rhythmic than, than rhythmic gymnastics is um, and less artistic but rhythmic gym, rhythmic gymnastics is quite artistic um, also synchronized swimming is quite artistic um, and then figure ice skating uh, in the winter Olympics that's another very artistic athletic sport art <laughs> or sport but i like to call it an athletic art but that's the, so those are three just to name a few i can't really think of any others off the top of my head so why can't something like ballet be in the olympics to be honest i don't really know <laughs> i think it could be um but at the same time i don't know if i'd actually really want to see it there but i'll, I'll get to that uh, a little bit later in the podcast so first off there are competitions for ballet um, that could essentially be put into the same format as the Olympics. Um, but for the time being, there I don't even know how long they've been around, but there are a handful of international ballet competitions that exist. There's uh, Varna in Bulgaria, there's the U- USA IBC, they call it the IBCs, um, the International Ballet Competitions. There's the USA IBC, which takes place in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. You also have Helsinki, Finland has an international ballet competition, Moscow, I don't know if Boston still has one. Um, um, there's one in Shanghai. There is there's a handful. Um, and then also recently in the past, uh, a little bit over a decade or so, uh, Youth America Grand Prix and the World Ballet Competition uh, have have been put together, which are international youth ballet competitions for youths. Um, these ballet competitions are actually in a similar format to a sporting competition, but there aren't really any like great foundational rules that are equal across all of these. For instance, uh, if you watch gymnastics, and I'm not an expert at any type of gymnastics, but if you watch gymnastics, for instance, uh, they have different, uh, I don't want to call them moves, but they have different... Uh, combinations of elements that they do that garner different types of scores. For instance, if uh, somebody does a double back tuck, that might be a little bit lower of a uh, difficulty level than somebody that does a double back layout, or if you add a twist in there, um, or different elements like that. for these, the, the, those scores that they give at the Olympics for gymnastics, they're the same across the board. If you go to the Worlds, uh, where it's essentially the same as the Olympics, except they do it every year for three years, except for the Olympic year. Um, then they have different meets across, like they have national meets, there are other international meets. Um, generally, the scores are going to be the same across the board. Uh, that's not the same for these international ballet competitions. It's not like a double pirouette gets <laughs> a certain amount of points and uh, a triple gets a little bit of a higher, or if you do a pirouette and combination into it, like say an onde or pirouette into an attitude and whatnot, um, there is no strict format to follow. It's really just a, uh, I thought that was executed well or I didn't. And the juries that uh, judge these competitions are different 
all across the board. Some might be uh, based off of Vaganova techniques. Others might be based off of uh, Chiketti or um, anywhere in between. Uh, where in, again, Olympic gymnastics, there's not necessarily one technique, sorry, there's not necessarily like three or four different styles of training techniques that they're using. Everybody has to essentially execute these uh, in the same way. Um, at these competitions as well, there, there's a lot more politics uh, behind scoring because uh, there are really the, these competitions are kind of a pathway for people to essentially get job positions. Um, where in the Olympics, people are uh, competing to prove that they are the best in the world and to really uh, show that they're great at their sport. Um, but this, for instance, I'm just using gymnastics because I've talked about it so much. But in gymnastics, yes, a, a gymnast may be able to use their sport to go on to perform in something like Cirque du Soleil or in a show like that. But for the most part, gymnasts aren't moving on to uh, a second career that involves uh, getting hired by a company uh, for performance. Generally, maybe they'll go on to coaching, Maybe they'll be able to, to use their, their gymnastics for other benefits. But uh, in a ballet competition, a lot of times dancers that are competing, what they're doing is either if they're in, uh, say, usually in the, the older, not the youth competitions, there's like a 15 to 19 age group and then there's a 20 to, I think, 26 year old age group. And um, the ones in the younger age group are, are looking for exposure so they can get jobs with companies. And then the ones that are going in the more senior ones usually already have job positions and they're trying to rise through the ranks and get some uh, credentials to help them rise. But uh, where a, a gymnast, they, they pretty much, once they win their medals, they either choose to continue competing or maybe it helps them get into a college uh, with a degree or other things like that. But for the most part, uh, the competition is the competition. And uh, as, a, as a dancer, you, you aren't using, you're, you're using these competitions more as a pathway. And whether that pathway is to get you a job, or if it's to get you more visibility, or if it's to help you get promotion, or even uh, it can give you a chance to learn new rep. Um, it can also give you additional coaching and attention that maybe you aren't receiving uh, while you're training or while you are uh, preparing for productions with companies. Um, so really, uh, there, there is a striking difference between the reasoning to enter a, a sports competition versus a ballet competition. Um, so I, I find it easy to differentiate the two uh, as competitive as a competitive sport and a competitive art. There, there's a lot of conversation in the dance world about uh, how people uh, think that competing ballet is a really, really bad idea. Um, a lot of people think that it just takes away a lot from the art form. Um, and there, there, there's a lot of confusion if you talk to people that don't know a lot about ballet, about whether ballet is a sport or an art. And like I've said throughout this entire podcast, I think it's an athletic art form. But ballet competitions can actually con confuse that idea as well. Um, especially with younger students in the youth ballet competitions, but it also it transfers into the, the more senior competitions. Um, the biggest 
conversation about the problem with competing this art form is how do you score art uh if somebody is more able better able i think that works better if somebody is better able to express themselves uh but maybe they don't have the highest extensions which means their leg goes up to their ear or maybe they can give you a really clean triple pirouette um but no flashy like eight pirouettes or no uh 540s which is a wild jump where it looks like the dancer is flipping sideways and landing um how do you judge the art side, which doesn't have these elements like the gymnastics I talked about earlier, where you can go, oh, they did a double back tuck and they did a half turn out of it. Um, how do you how do you score that? It, it, it's very difficult. Um, also. Artistry tends to be a mature characteristic as a dancer. Um, you can get amazing dancers joining companies, but their artistry doesn't necessarily start to develop until they've had some real-life experiences. They've had time to be on the stage so that they can feel comfortable enough to maybe uh, let loose a little bit more uh, so maybe they're not as embarrassed to act uh, on stage. The the challenge with especially these youth ballet competitions is because of the delayed development with artistry. There is a lot of focus on on getting these kids pumping out crazy tricks. So all of a sudden, it feels like instead of say uh, Giselle is performing her first act variation where essentially she's asks her mother if it's okay to dance uh for the well she doesn't know that he's a prince yet but she she asks if it's okay to dance and her mom doesn't want her to dance because of her heart her heart issue and she's having essentially this in this dance in front of, of her village and she's very uh shy at first and she develops into being uh more excited and, and getting uh, by the end of the dance she's really really going for it um it can be really difficult to uh develop that if a dancer is doing say triple attitude turns and focusing on getting their leg up to their ear there's so many uh there are so many other aspects to that dance and you don't really get to see that development when you have a short variation you're just trying to show tricks and get everything up i don't know if you could hear me snapping i was getting really excited for that one so i guess the biggest question throughout this entire conversation about whether ballet should be in the olympics would be if we do compete ballet in a sports competition like the Olympics, what would that do for the art form? Would it be transferable to a career or would it separate ballet artists from ballet athletes? Um, and I, I think that this is really open to interpretation for each and every person. Um, I do think that it could be really interesting to take uh, more of the art out of ballet and to really focus on the tricks. But I think that what really differentiates our art form from so many other art forms is it's a sporty art form. It's an athletic art. And the... The only difference is, well, not the only difference, but one of the differences uh, between it being sport and being art is that you can have people interpreting the same role 
over and over and over again. And it really is the choices that those dancers make that freshen up a ballet, that make it interesting and exciting and new again to people. Um, if you have people going to competitions and they're competing the same variations and they are uh, competing the same tricks and everybody's trying to like fit into this box of how do I get the highest score, really, it, it, I think it would just make our art form so dull and I think that it would like you, you would only really want to see Swan Lake once you would only want to see Giselle once you would only want to see In the Middle somewhat elevated once you would only want to see Yuri Killian's Petite Mort once I think that creating a sport out of it would just take all of the beauty out of the art form and really it would essentially be like taking your favorite painting and if it's full of color i don't know let's say starry night and then just turning starry night black and white um of course that's my opinion as is everything else in these podcasts but uh, i i think it's a valid point uh the if, if ballet was a sport it would turn too technical and everybody would be trying to achieve the same highest quality trick <laughs> amount of tricks and ability to do tricks and and just being able to have artists interpreting in their own way uh without that pressure of performing at that top 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 trick quality um i think it really i just it's i think it's really important that we keep it the way that that we're doing things and yes i do think that there are times for it to be a sport like competition but really it's just to see uh a, a way to these like these international ballet competitions they should remain as they are and just be a way for dancers to be seen because everything that i teach in my classes is that what we're doing throughout our training and throughout our careers it's all just a pathway to have a career or to have the if you've gone into that career, a pathway to have the best, most diverse, most fulfilling career that you can have. It's a short one. So we, you really want to get as much out of it as you can. In the end, I, I personally see the benefits and the downfalls of adding our art to the Olympics, but I would prefer that they stay separate. I think the added visibility and the competitive excitement mixed with other sports could bring some new audiences to our art forum, but at the same time, they are likely to be disappointed when they pay money to see a performance and there's no blood sport on stage, no medals or awards given, no raucous spectators screaming at every execution of a fantastic trick. The issue with turning our athletic art form into a sport is that the promotion of tricks and extremism, extremism don't translate to our art form's true home, the stage. And for this reason, I think it would be a bad idea to bring so much attention to ballet through the greatest collection of sports competitions on Earth, the Olympics. Agree with me or not, that's why I'm here. To chat and to talk dance with you. So you can make up your mind on items in the dance world and develop your own educated opinion. But for me, it just doesn't seem a valuable enough exchange for me to see our art form go fully sport. So, from there, I hope you enjoy watching the rest of the Olympics, because I will be, even if most of it is on the DVR, because <laughs> I am too busy. Well, I'm glad you came back this week to talk dance with me. Remember, if there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, 
please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlos.com. That's www.barrycorlos.com. You can also reach out to me on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique, choreography, or speaking engagements. Also remember, I'm looking for questions from all of you out there so that I can incorporate a Q&A into my, one of my next flashcasts. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Carolus, featuring my choreography, and Core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod Chat. I hope Hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me and remember to go out and support your local dance scene.